Good morning. It's a great privilege and blessing to be here. And um, as I was pre- as I was pre- preparing and praying uh, this morning, this morning is Palm Sunday, and I was asking the Lord. I said, "How do I tie Palm Sunday into?" kind of a mission-focused Sunday. And I want to read from you a passage, uh, read to you a passage from Revelation. Uh, First of all, I I guess I should say who I am. My name is Paul Enns, and I work with our district team, the Canadian Midwest District. We have about 75 churches across Manitoba and Saskatchewan and to the north. And uh, my role is in missions mobilization. And really, I think that's kind of a presumptuous role because only the Holy Spirit can truly mobilize us. But my prayer is that this morning, through his word and by his spirit, he would mobilize us, especially in prayer, because that's what I want to talk to you about. But in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, it says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. This is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday previous to the crucifixion and the resurrection. And when we remember the crowds that received Jesus and waved the palm branches and and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, And I've never tied that event with the culmination of history where it says here people from every tribe and every tongue and every language and every people are holding palm branches and are worshiping the king and so we see the two come together but I ask the question how in the world does that happen and the answer is that it happens through us We don't downplay God's sovereign plan and his act to have someone from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation before the throne. That will happen. Jesus, he said this, he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. That's all the nations that we're talking about there. And he said, and then the end will come. But in between there, God is at work through His Spirit using us to see this happen. So if you have your Bibles, turn please to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And verses 1 to 9. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 9. And I preach in a different church almost every Sunday and I don't really know exactly what the focus will be or the music or the worship. And I just, I'm always amazed at how the Holy Spirit puts this all together, including Jackie's testimony, because it fits right in with this passage. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 9. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, and he will send out workers into his harvest field. That's where we're going to spend a good 
chunk, maybe almost half of the message. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. And if not, it will return to you. And stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give to you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Heavenly Father, the kingdom of God is the reign and the rule and the presence and the government and the, and the direction of you coming from heaven down to this earth to change what we see around us, to reach the nations of the earth, And so we pray that in the next few moments that you will take this part of your word and you will stamp it into our hearts and you will highlight the things that we need to lean into in prayer and that you will mobilize everyone here to pray according to your will and your way and your word and that we will see We will see history advance and we will see some of those nations and some of those peoples and some of those language groups coming into the kingdom because of what we have prayed. And that then we look forward to the culmination of history and when we are around your throne and when we are worshiping you and we look around and we see people from this country and that country and this people group and that people group and and we know they're there because we have prayed. So we ask that you will mobilize us this morning in prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The context here is Jesus has called his disciples, he has discipled his disciples, and now he is sending out his disciples. And so he chooses 72 of them. In the previous chapter, he chose 12. In this one, he chose 72, and he sent them ahead of him as he was going to go out and minister. But even before he began that, he he, he said these words, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That word send out is actually quite soft. In the original, it, it means push them out or thrust them out. Get them out there. That's what we're supposed to pray for. And I focus on the global this morning, but it's both local and global. We could literally pray, God, send us out. Push us out. Thrust us out. Because often we're hesitant. But that simple little prayer is is what I want us to focus in on this morning. And that we would become a people of prayer who simply pray this, Lord, raise up and send out from us new workers, to the people, unreached peoples of the earth. I want to tell you three or four stories. The first one starts in Alberta. And there was a young man who, who grew up, he came to know the Lord, and he uh, got trained and he went as an international worker. We use the word international worker instead of missionary, not because we're ashamed of our missionaries or of the word. It's because of the fact that many countries they can't go into as missionaries. So we use a different word to keep them a little safer. And so he came back, and he came back to his little rural church, and his pastor was preaching, and his pastor said, I don't believe anything happens except in response to prayer. 
And this young man, he kind of put up his hand, and it was a small group, and he said, Pastor, I, I don't know if I agree with you because I, I came from a non-Christian home, and, 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 and I grew up, and I came to know Jesus, and, I, and, and then I went to the nations, and I don't, I don't know if anybody prayed for me for those things to happen. And all of a sudden, a little old lady put up her hand, and she said, Young man, when you were growing up, you would walk across the corner of my lawn. Boy, every time I say this story, and when I heard this story, I thought, thank you, Jesus, that this wasn't a grouchy little old lady. Thank you that she didn't go outside and say, kid, get off my lawn. But she took this opportunity to put this in practice, and she just prayed, oh, Jesus, just save this little guy. Let him come to know you. And, and if then if you would send him to the nations. So she said, young man, you are a direct response to my prayers. Raise him up. Send him out. Second story I tell is from Estevan, Saskatchewan. Many of you know Sheila. How many of you know Sheila? How many of you know her story? Okay, a few of you. Please bear with me, and I trust I have it correct. I've asked her. I've asked a few other people. In this church, Bob Peters, Bob and Rhoda were the pastors, pastor and his wife. And Bob, he called the elders together, and he said, you know what? We've never sent out an international worker with the Christian Missionary Alliance. We need to start to pray for that. So as elders and wives, why don't we come together once a month and pray that this will happen? And so they started to do that. Well, Sheila was in your Pioneer Girls program. She didn't even know Jesus yet. But she was coming, and she was learning, and, and the elders and the pastor and their wives began to pray, and she is in grade 11, I think, something like that, 10 or 11. And she comes to know Jesus. And then you have a, a missionary conference, and the missionary preaches, and he doesn't even preach and say, you know, are you willing to be a missionary? He just says, are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do? Are you willing to go wherever God wants you to go? And Sheila, I asked her, and she said, of course I did. I mean, I was a new believer. I just wanted Jesus. I just wanted to know him and love him and do what he wanted. And so when the guy finished preaching, he said, if, if that's what you want, if you're, if you're willing to go wherever God wants you to go and do whatever he wants you to do, just come on up here and we'll pray for you. So she said, I went up, and they prayed for me. But then she said, after the service, the elders and their wives, and they came up to me, and they hugged me, and they said, isn't it great, Sheila, that you're going to be a missionary? She said, I went home, and I cried. But then she prayed this. She said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I am willing to do that. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he will send out workers into his harvest field. I, I don't know if you're a Sunday school teacher or if you work with youth or you work with the worship or you work in the sound back there or whatever you do or in your, that you will use your sphere of influence and you will pray with the, for the people in your group and in your area of influence. Lord, raise up from us and send out from us. I pray and I fast and I say, God, from every one of our 75 churches, will you raise someone up and will you send them out? And you know what? It's happening. Just this week, I interviewed a, a pastor. He's 57. You say, oh, when you're 57, you can't go. His, nobody told this pastor. 
He said, if, if there's a place around the globe where I can go, I'm ready. My wife is ready. We're ready to go. We, we just licensed Keith and Melanie Hansel. That's Robin Hansel's son and daughter-in-law. We just licensed them last week. They're preparing to go probably to Niger. We have 25 new workers this year. We had 28 last year. I believe it's in response to this kind of praying. So I just ask you, will you join the 10-2 movement? There's a church in the United States that they believe this and they take this very seriously and they have challenged all their people to set their watches or to set their phones or to set whatever they can set so that an alarm goes off at 2 minutes after 10 in the morning and 2 minutes after 10 in the evening and they pray this simple prayer, Lord, raise up from us new workers to go to the unreached peoples of the earth. Can you do that? Do you think you can do that? Can you do it here in Estevan? Yes? No? I think you can. And I challenge and I ask. And then I add one more story, which is my story. My mom and dad were missionaries in Liberia, West Africa. I'm the youngest of six. They had to come home when I was just an infant. I grew up in a in a home that was saturated with God's heart for the nations, but I didn't want to be a missionary for various reasons. I'll tell you one or two as we go along. But uh, one of my main memories is my mom sitting at the kitchen table with her Bible open and often with tears streaming down her face saying, God, send at least one of my kids to the nations. When I was 21 and I was doing my internship and there was a missions conference and there was a missionary who was from India and then Pakistan, Phil Taylor. Any of you know him? Amazing guy. I don't remember what he said. You know, almost never remember what the preacher said, but you remember what the Holy Spirit said. And the Holy Spirit just clearly said, I want you to go. I'm calling you to go. And I remember that night going home. I was, in, I was near Toronto. I was doing my internship in Bramley and phoning my mom and saying, Mom, God has answered your prayers. And I remember her just crying and crying, not because she was sad, but because she was happy. Parents, release. Grandparents, going from preaching to meddling. Grandparents, you need to release your grandkids. And when we do this, God will answer this prayer. So that's the first part. Pray the Lord of the harvest, that he will raise up workers, send them to the harvest field. And don't limit it to the nations on the other side of the planet, but every morning when you get up, say, God, send me out today. And whoever I come in contact with, may I be your representative. Then it says, go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Ooh. How many would you sign up for that one? <laughs> I'm sending you like lambs. That, I'm sending you out to the slaughter. No, he didn't say that because he was going to go with them. This part of the prayer, when you're praying for international workers, so you pray that God will raise them up, send them out, and you pray that God will protect them. Okay? It's a prayer for protection. I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. We need to pray specifically for God's protection on our international workers. I tell you two stories. It was the morning, we were going grocery shopping. My son was about two and a half years old. 
We're putting the groceries in the car. This is in Mexico City. And um, he all of a sudden went from the car and ran out where the oncoming cars were coming. He was only, he was very short. There is no possible way that that driver could have seen him. And all of a sudden she hit the brakes and stopped before she hit him. And all I could think of was, I wonder who was praying this morning for protection. And this happens over and over again. Physical protection, spiritual protection. We sang about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is powerful to cleanse us from sin, to heal us, and to protect us. So when you pray for Sheila, when you pray for Jackie, when you pray for any international worker, and when you pray for yourself, you can, all these things you can pray for yourself every morning. Pray for God's protection. It says that the evil one is, is like a roaring lion, prowling about, seeking whom he may devour. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up, and literally I could not speak. It's the only time in my life. <laughs> Maybe some people say, I wish they had more moments like this, Paul, or you could be quiet. But it was the only time when I couldn't speak. And, the, and, the, and our bedroom was just full of a palpable presence of evil. And I, I was trying to say Jesus' name. I was trying to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I looked at, and, and Cindy was awake, and she was the same. She couldn't talk. And, and we just persisted, said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then we started to worship, and all of a sudden, bam, that presence was completely gone. And I remember thinking, I wonder who was praying for protection. Three o'clock in the morning. I could tell you story after story after story. So please, I'm asking you not just to say, God bless the missionaries. I want you to go beyond that. I want you to say, God, raise us up and send us out. Send them out to the nations. Raise somebody up from this church so we can send out another one like Sheila. And then, Lord, protect them by your blood. Protect them and cover them. Keep them from, from physical danger and spiritual danger and emotional danger. Okay? That's the next one. The third one, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. God is not against purses, bags, and sandals, okay? We know that because if you look at the end of the journey, he says they could take some of those things. He was training them to be completely dependent on him for all of their provision. And so this part is a prayer for provision. It's for God's provision for our international workers. And again, you can pray it for yourself. Everything we have is his daily bread. Like I said, we have 25 new workers. We have a flatline global advance fund. For the last 7 to 10 years, it's just floated right around $15 million. You say, whoa, that's a lot of money. You know how we could triple our global advance fund giving, our giving to missions to send out our missionaries? Simply the people who sit in our pews, and I'm not here to, to accuse you or anything like that, but the people who sit in our pews who do not give to the Global Advance Fund, if they'd simply start giving $25 a month, that's not big, that's not big stuff. $25 a month, and we could triple our budget to $45 million. So if you are one of them, 
And I don't know. I don't check records. I don't do anything like that. But if you're one of those who hasn't participated in this, you can pray, God, answer this prayer through me for provision. $25 a month, you spend that at Boston Pizza today after service. You spend that at McDonald's. You spend, you spend that on a hundred different things. Just one time each month, don't do that. And give to the nations and pray. And say, God, release your provision because his provision is perfect. I can tell you a thousand stories, and I'm not exaggerating, of specific answers to prayer for God's provision. I remember when we were going out our first term. And, and thank God for the Global Advance Fund. And that's what gets them there and keeps them there. That takes care of the, the normal needs of our missionaries. But often there's other needs. And I remember we had some big needs and we were leaving and I'm saying, Lord, what am I going to do? And these people showed up and I was, we were still pastoring in Martinsville. And, and these people showed up, people that God had used to put me through Bible college, people who God had blessed. And they just showed up in the service. They were from another city far away. I hadn't seen them in years. This is what God did in response to this prayer for provision. When they finished, they, we had a good time. We hugged each other and they said, oh, we got something here for you. And they handed me an envelope and I went home. And it was a check for $1,000. And that was about really almost exactly what we needed to take care of things in order to get going. Over and over and over again, God provides and he doesn't just provide the necessities. He provides down to the smallest detail. I remember when we came home. This is almost an unbelievable story, but it's true. My family can attest to it. The people involved in this story will tell you that this is true. We are coming home on our first, after our first term. And when your international workers come home, just hug them and, and bless them and try to find some tangible way to provide for them because they need it. And I remember coming home and I tried to shorten the story. We had no place to live. We literally, we had no place to live. Uh, rental properties in Saskatoon where vacancy was zero. And, and we would get up in the morning, we'd look in the papers, we'd phone, and it would be rented. People would rent stuff without even looking at it. And I remember crying out to God one night and I said, God, we've given up a lot of stuff and that doesn't matter, but our family needs a home. And I remember one night I was all worked up and my heart was pounding and, and the Lord gave me the psalm. I think it's Psalm 92. I'd have to go and check. But the psalm was this. From generation to generation, I have been your dwelling place. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, you live in me, I'm your home. I said, okay, Lord, that's good. I'm going to go to sleep on that, but we still need a place. And it was just like the next day or the day after, I get this call, and this guy says, are you looking for a place to rent? And I said, yeah. He said, you better come out and we'll have a coffee. And I thought, why? He only has one house. What is he going to do for me? But I went out to Martinsville, and, and, and he said, you will never believe this story. Like three or four months ago, when we heard you were coming home to Canada, we, we just began to pray. And he said, in one Sunday morning in a church service, he said, we were just singing, we were worshiping, and all of a sudden he said, I heard, it was like an audible voice that said, when Paul and Cindy come home, you should rent them your house. 
He said, I, I literally, I looked around and I didn't see anybody and I thought, wow, man, I must, be, I must be the Lord. He said, but you don't go home and tell your wife, we're going to rent our house to the missionaries when they come home. He said, I didn't say anything. He said, about two weeks later, we we're doing dishes and my wife says to me, you know, two weeks ago in the worship service when we were singing, I heard this voice that said, when Paul and Cindy come home, you should rent them your house. But then you came home and other things happened and we thought you didn't need it. So we didn't tell you. So here it is. They literally, they moved out of their house and moved somewhere else for a year so we could live in their house. And my wife, she had said, we, uh, she had a, a house coat in Mexico and she said, this is kind of big and bulky, takes up a lot of room. Why don't we just leave it here? We'll find something when we get home. That was one detail. Second detail was my, my son, he liked Mickey Mouse and whatever, some Disney characters. And he had, a, he had a blanket that had all these things on it and he really loved it. He was just a little tiny guy. We got to the house and we went into the house and we opened the closet doors. And hanging in the closet was a house coat with a note pinned to it. said, this is brand new. We've never used it. If you need it, please use it. It fits in perfectly. And we walked into Micah's room. And, and we had brought the blanket, the fuzzy little blanket with the Disney characters on it. But there was a set of sheets on the bed that was exactly the same. And the Holy Spirit said, I will always provide for you. I will always take care of you. So if you will pray, God, provide whatever they need. Whatever they need. And he will do it. And like I said, I could tell you a thousand stories like that. Raise them up, send them out. Father, protect them by your blood. Provide for their needs and help them to be condemned. I, I have to... Oh, boy. Uh, okay. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. I'll tell you one story. Pray for people of peace. That Sheila will meet people of peace. That Jackie will meet people of peace. That anybody that you send out will make people of peace. Pray that for yourself, that as you go out each day, that God will lead you to people of peace. What's a person of peace? A person of peace is not a believer yet. They don't know Jesus personally. But they're seeking God. Their hearts are open. We prayed for this in Mexico City for 20 years and I could give you one story after another, after another, after another. I can only give you one because we only have a few more minutes. But this, this lady, Sonia, and her, and her daughter, Perla, lived in the, in the western part of Mexico City and they were, they were people of peace. And they were praying and saying, God, show yourself to us. We, we know there's more of you. We know there's something greater than this. They even read their Bibles, but they didn't know Jesus. One day, Perla, the daughter, went to a little corner store where we had a small group. The house was behind the corner store, and the guy who ran the, uh, the house, the, the corner store, lived in the house. He was the owner. And Perla comes in to buy some vegetables and things, and he says, uh, Philip, uh, I can't remember his name, and he says to her, you know, on Thursday nights we have a Bible study here, and we pray for each other, and we sing, and, and you should come. You know what? He wasn't even a believer yet. Perla went home immediately and she said to her mom, Sonia, Sonia, she said, Mom, I think we've, I think we've found it, what we've been praying for. 
And they came to the study and almost immediately gave their hearts to Jesus. And then they said, could you come and do this at our house? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm a bit kind of busy here. No. Yes, of course. And Heather Hahn. Do any of you know Heather Hahn? Yeah, one of our great missionaries. We call her the Mother Teresa of the Alliance. Oh, she has compassion for the poor and the hurting and the broken. And she went and she began to, she took her guitar with her, she took her Bible with her. They have a little Bible study, they sing, they pray. And, and, and Manuel, the husband, he said, I was upstairs, no one could see me. And the stairs were like this. They came down like this, but you couldn't see anybody. And then there was a set that went down like this. He said, every week I came down one more step, one more step, one more step. And then all of a sudden they could see me. And Heather said, Manuel, come on down. Manuel really liked to play the guitar and to sing. And so she said, come on, come and join me. <laughs> he doesn't know Jesus. She's playing worship music. Here, I'll show you the chords. We'll pray to play together. Why don't you sing? And he comes to Jesus. And then they had three sons or four sons. And one by one by one, they all came to Jesus. And Alejandro became my prayer partner. And Alejandro now is a Mexican missionary reaching out to the Huichol, which is an unreached people group up in the mountains in Mexico. Pray that God will direct them to people of peace so that many more can come to know him. And we wrap up with one story, maybe two. Uh, verse 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. We will not see unreached people come to Christ without a demonstration of the power of God. I just spent, in February, I spent uh, 10, 12 days in the Middle East. Uh, I almost based my message and told you stories from there, but I, it, the Lord didn't lead me there. I was in a country where there hasn't been a Christian church for 1,400 years since Islam moved into their country. And I got to preach at this little underground church where there's about a dozen believers. Every single one of them has had a supernatural encounter with Christ, coming in dreams and visions, calling them to himself. We need to pray for the release of the power of God, and not just over there, but here in Canada as well. So, just this week, I like to tell current stories. I was driving here last night, and I called Rylan, who's a pastor of our Lions Church in Nipawa. And he said, oh, a really cool thing happened this week. Now, he is always praying into this, Lord, may your kingdom come. May you display your power. May you heal people so that they will be drawn to you, both those who believe and those who don't. And he said, yeah, I got it. we have a new couple. They're Filipinos. They're, there's a big plant in Nipoa, a pork plant, and a lot of them work there. And, and these people have come. And he said, and he was telling me, oh, I got a really bad toothache. Uh, the Filipino guy was telling Pastor Ryland, I got a really bad toothache. I need to go to the doctor or to the dentist. And, and Ryland said, why don't, why don't we pray about that right now? Oh. I said, okay. And he, and he has a lot of pain. So Ryland prays, very simple prayer, Lord, would you, we bless his tooth, we pray for healing in Jesus' name. And, 
And then he asked him, so is it any better? And the guy said, it's about 50% better. Drop of pain, 50%. He said, and the guy said, I'll, I'll keep praying and, and then hopefully something else. And Ryland said, why don't we pray again? Here's a lesson for all of us. We need to lean into and pray and continue to pray and persevere because oftentimes we pray once and it doesn't happen or a little something happens and we don't press into it. And so Ryland prayed again. And the guy said, wow, it's like the pain's all gone. He said, but I wouldn't really know unless I went outside and the wind was blowing and I smiled into the wind. That's kind of a little weird thing, but he said, because then when the wind gets in there, if there's any wind, then it really hurts. Ryland said, go outside. And he went out and he checked. He came back. He says, it's perfect. That's here. Pray for the power of God to be released. At General Assembly last year, we had a healing service on Saturday morning. I don't know if you heard about it or not, but there was almost 50 people who were documented who received healing. And, and it, there was just people all over the place. There were so many people who wanted prayer. He said, we had a prayer team and everything, but there wasn't enough. And so they said, just find the guy next to you and, or the gal next to you and, and, and lay your hands on them and pray for them that, God, that Jesus would heal them. So Ken Palacero, who is our, our finance guy in the national office, the, the big guy who runs everything, uh, he had fallen down the stairs and had a really bad back problem. So he says next, he, sitting next to him was, the, was a bookkeeper or accountant or something. And he says to him, hey, can you pray for me? And the guy goes, I, I, don't, I don't know how to heal anybody. I'm, I'm an accountant. Ken says, well, there's nobody else here, so you're all I got. You better pray. The guy prayed, and Ken was instantly and completely healed. Pray for the release of the power of God. I forgot. I, wanna, I have to include this story. This would go... Uh, we need the release of the power of God for a young guy. We'll call him Joe. Okay. He's from the Middle East. I met his mom. When, he was two, when, when Joe was two years old, his mom became a follower of Jesus. And she had to flee for her, her life because her husband was going to kill her. She left behind three kids, Joe being the youngest one. At age nine, Joe starts to show an interest in following Jesus. Remember, he's living with his dad. He becomes a Christian when he's about 12 and his dad beats him. He gets baptized at age 15. That's about a year and a half ago. His dad beat him so bad that they thought he would die. Well, then he was, his dad or somebody was part of the Muslim Brotherhood. So then after all of this, they took him in and put him in jail and accused him of treason against his country. Just this week or last week, they got a new judge and they thought that they might release him. But the Muslim Brotherhood did something to him, we don't know what. And they rushed him to a hospital and it's like his whole person changed. And before the new judge, he confessed to crimes that he has never done. 
they believe that he probably did it to protect his mom and his sisters. Will we pray for Joe? I don't know if he's going to live or he's going to die. I don't know if he's going to be released from prison or he's not. But will we pray that he will be such a light that the power of God in suffering will be displayed through him that thousands of Muslims will come to Christ? Will you pray for that? When you read this passage, I pray that God will bring back to you the points that we've talked about and that it will become a prayer guide for you and the people will be raised up and sent out and they won't be raised up and sent out without the support of prayer that they need from us. Uh, Father, we thank you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You came in on a donkey and everybody was waving the palm branches singing, Hosanna. Oh, you're coming again, not on a donkey. You're coming on the wings of your power. You're coming again. And you're going to gather every tribe and tongue and language and people around your throne. And we want to be there. And we want to recognize people from other nations and other places and other unreached people groups. And you're going to say to us, that one's here because you prayed. And that one's here because you prayed. And we pray for Joe this morning in that prison that you would come and your light would be revealed to him and Jesus, you would wrap your arms around him and that you would tell him, well done. And you would keep him true to you no matter what happens. And then we pray for some kind of miraculous intervention just like you did for Peter. And the chains fell off and he walked out of the prison. And I pray that Estevan Alliance Church will know that they have a role to play in shaping the history of this world and the nations that you want to reach. We pray this in your name, Jesus.